0: I'm Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to this episode of Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast series. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of 21st Century Equipment and Moving Iron LLC sits down with Dusty Schultz, Used Ag Equipment Manager for Butler Machinery. Their conversation covers the current used equipment and auction market in Butler's region, which includes South Dakota, North Dakota, and Nebraska. They also get into where they see the used equipment market ending up at the end of 2017. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing alerts you when each upcoming episode is released and will put a world of content onto the phone in your pocket, wherever and whenever you want to listen to it. Before we turn things over to Casey and Dusty, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who is making this podcast series possible. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of life cycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today.
1: Dusty, welcome to my podcast.
2: Thanks. Glad to be here.
1: Awesome, man. So, uh, before we get started, I always like to get people's backgrounds about who they are and what and the companies they work for and, and all that kind of stuff. So give me a little background on, on uh, dusty and, and Butler machinery.
2: So dusty shows, uh, work with Butler machinery company. We're the Caterpillar dealer in North Dakota and South Dakota. And then we're the egg Co dealer in North Dakota, South Dakota and Nebraska. So we cover all three States on the egg side, more or less uh, handling, Rogator, Terragator on the application side, and then all the Challenger tractors, white planters, and hay equipment that ECO has to offer. So those are the things that we, we do. Uh, myself, uh, I've been in the industry for about 15 years now. Started out with Butler Machinery in 2003 in our finance department, and moved into uh, ag sales after that, and did that for about five years. And after that period of time, I went over to work for Ziegler Cat and was operations manager of the Fergus Falls store there for four years and came back to work for Butler in two thousand eleven now. And yeah, that breaks up about fifteen years of of doing a lot of different things for the for the companies and, and learning a lot about the heavy and the egg industries pertaining to both. So it's been a busy, busy uh, life so
1: far. <laughs> right. Let's talk about local markets. So down here in Kansas where I'm at, we've got seems like we have some, some local auctions that have been happening lately. Um, retirement sales, and those kind of things. Has the local auction affected your marketplace and is that affecting how your, your customers are looking at buying equipment or has it really been a non-factor for you?
2: Oh, it definitely has been there. I would tell you that, that what was really has, has driven our, our market, solid isn't so much the retirement and the estate auctions as it is the large consignments and the online auctions. Because uh, the retirement estate auctions for us has actually brought a pretty good price to the equipment because a lot of times it's the neighbors and people nearby bidding on that equipment that know it. And because they know the equipment, they know that the guy's either taking care of it so they think it's a better price. So they'll bid it up. I mean, we've seen the retirement auctions have bring a pretty healthy price to them. Then you get to your online and your consignment auctions, that's been kind of the meat market where you know, no one knows where it came from or what issues might be there and they better get it cheap because they're not sure of of what what the story is with it. And that has been what has really impacted our demand and pricing structure is more that market because you'll you'll get comments like, well, I can buy it for half that on auction. I saw an auction last week where it went for, you know, a third of that price or whatever it is. But, you know, you gotta remember whatever you're buying on auction, especially consignment auction, you know, there's not a lot of history to what to what happened to it or where it's been or why it's on the auction. So it should go cheap. Right. There's not maybe maybe there's not some uh, maybe and there's no guarantee behind the sale either. It's just it's as is where is the auction gavel drops and by God you own something now and, and you take it home and it falls apart and there's no recourse to anyone. So it should be cheap on the auction. But we do get those comments about how, yeah, we can buy it on auction for half or third and you know, and there's just been so much more of it lately. I think that even some better than average pieces have ended up on auction, which has driven more people to have a little more comfort. You know what I'm saying with mm-hmm. with some of those things. So, yeah, there's no doubt it's it's impacted us. We try our best to to limit how many things we send to auction, just because, you know, we got uh I forget the number of salespeople, but quite a few salespeople out in the territory that are working to sell machines for us that we pay. So why should we go hire another group like an auction company and pay them to sell it as well when we got plenty right. of guys of our own to do it? So we, we try to be pretty sparingly with the auction.
1: Yeah. And we, and we have the same focus too. I mean, that's, we have guys that are, you know, we, we try to work that system and keep that, that in, that inventory in our area as much as we can so we can maximize the parts and service business. So, so how has the auction market changed your value proposition when you start talking to customers?
2: Well, it all, it, it all comes down to, you know, you're buying it from a dealer for a reason, which means, you know, we stand behind, especially our products. If there are products that we sell, you know, we're going to stand behind them and, and, and be there for you, you know, and, and offer trade-ins down the road. And, and we're, we're a one-stop shop. we got parts and service. You know, we'll do trade evaluations. We'll trade machines in from you. We'll support you. Um, so you really got to upsell your dealership in order to overcome this auction price gap. And the most important things to me is the is the whole house that we offer, right? First. And secondly would be the fact that, hey, it's it, it might be as is where it is, but if you have major issues uh, two, three days after delivery and purchase from us, you know, we're not gonna
0: we're not gonna ignore you.
2: We're gonna talk to you and try and work through it with you and, and that may mean that we participate in some things. But you're not gonna get that from the auction.
1: Right. Yeah, the auction doesn't doesn't take trades and they they don't uh Want to help you on the back end? Of something where to something yeah. where to go wrong? That's for sure. It's
2: a it's a heck of a deal, really, when you think <clears> about it. You know, you're you, a lot of machines that go on auction are, are already losers for the dealership, right? But the auction company never loses. They make 10% on the on it, whether mm-hmm. it's it's a winner for you or a loser for you. It's, you know, the past two three years have been a boon for the companies like Richies and these other companies that are having. There's more auctions mm-hmm. than there has been as people try to dump equipment, but boy it's been a, it's been a rainmaker for them you know they've been having unlimited supply of equipment coming through and they're making whatever commission is on everything they sell you know so yeah i mean and that all is cyclical too as as the amount of used equipment on the marketplace dries up you know all of a sudden there's not as much equipment going to auction and whatever is on auction might bring more money because it's just not as available as it was it's just period of time we got to get through and find the end of it and Things will change, you know, in two,
1: three years. I don't know how long it is, but I'm guessing it'll be a little while yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. And to your point, I think this is a year, if you were to take something to auction, that is a, a, a later model piece, 2015 or newer, where manufacturers just didn't generate as many new ones coming off the, off the assembly yep. line, that this this could be a year to take something and make something work at the auction that wouldn't have worked in the past. Right. Um, especially if it's a good, solid, late, low late. Late hour, late model, low hour piece. You know what I mean. So no doubt, yep, for sure. So this could definitely be a <clears throat> a year to roll the dice and and maybe come out on top of some of that stuff, um, especially if it's a if it's an on farm auction. I think that could be a a great opportunity for some guys.
2: No doubt, yeah, that yeah. on farm auction seems to do better from our
1: perspective. Absolutely, yeah, it makes a world of difference. As you see, we've talked about the about how the local mo- uh, auction market is affecting your area. Um what do you see some uh as some of your short term and long term um, struggles, opportunities uh going through the end of seventeen? as far as equipment product lines or just in general? Oh, I think I mean from equipment perspective and then also I'd love to hear what you have for just in general. That'd be great too. I would tell you that
2: <clears throat> you know, combines, there's a lot of combines in inventory and both out in the field for sale, so Camels are going to be a little bit of a struggle here for a little bit yet. Um corn heads are going to be tough for not for a lot of people. I mean there is so many corn heads on the market. A lot of late model stuff and a lot of a lot of carry over new inventory in people's yards too yet as far as dealers go. So there's a lot of corn heads available for sale and that's going to be a tough one for a bit. But yeah, those are the things that I, we were probably most got our eyes on and trying to trying to do better at and and make some headway on.
1: Yeah. What do you see as far as equipment-wise that that you have some opportunities in?
2: You know, big uh, horsepower tillage tractors were pretty popular this spring. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the cyclical things like the hay market was just warm for a little bit here because it's hay season. Um, I imagine combine season will get a little kicked into gear here in the next month and a half, two months, and we'll see some activity there. Um, I don't know. You know, the fall of the year here is going to be interesting because it seems like the guys that are planning ahead, for tax purposes or whatever, usually the year before in the fourth quarter, they ended up buying whatever they needed and that could be anything. It wasn't necessarily something that was going into season. It was just whatever their most urgent need was. So as you go through first quarter, the purchases seem to get more cyclical because it's not it's not a needed purchase as far as a tax deal goes, so you don't have to pick and choose, but if you pull your air seater out and you need a new one, it's gonna roll then. So, I mean, you get more of the, the seasonal items. Then you go into hay season, same deal, right? You get a spike in the hay demand. Now we're going into combine season, we'll see a spike in that here in the next two months. And then going into fall, I would say, you know, maybe some fertilizer applicators, some tillage pieces, and potentially some more high horse tractors. And fourth is a wild card, though it can really be anything, I think. It, it all depends upon what the most urgent need is on the farm and if they have a tax liability to, to offset. Yep,
1: yeah, there's gonna be a, I think this end of the year will be probably more uh, dicey than we've seen in the past, just because of, of the, the current situation in the economy and the way things are yep. shaping up, you know? So um, it'll be what, like you said, what they need to have when they need to have it and, and kind of move forward with that. So.
0: We'll get back to Casey and Dusty in a moment, but I wanted to again recognize and thank Iron Solutions for supporting this podcast. Iron Solutions, having deep roots in the ag industry, has products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth.
1: Leasing equipment something that, that we've talked about quite a bit on here. And, And I think it's a kind of uh, a a tool that we're using more now than we've probably used in the past. And um, our customers are more in tune to leasing equipment now than they've been in the past. Where do you, uh, how's leasing equipment affected your market and and your business and and your approach to the customer?
2: You know, we've done leasing for a while. It has probably gotten a little more popular just because the cash flow is a little bit looser when you lease. It's not such a big payment. The downside stream effects of some of that is what we're living through now, um, where you got a lot of lease returns coming back in, potentially going to your vendor finance company, dear credit, or in our case, uh, Eco Finance, or different vendors that are have leases equipment. And frankly, they might end up having a lot of equipment sitting in there locked, because it's all lease returns if guys were feeling that it was better just to walk away from the purchase option than trade it. and yeah, I mean that's my biggest concern. I guess is is the, the the pile of equipment that could be coming back off lease and how that's going to impact our marketplaces when you know a deer credit or an eco finance says, hey, all of a sudden we've got too much equipment that we own, so let's throw it all to auction or something along those lines. And all of a sudden, then there goes a bunch of values because a bunch of it comes into the marketplace at once. That's more what I'm concerned. I think the farmers like it for the cash flow purpose, So we like. We like doing leases, too. I mean, they, they work well, um, but you do it to death in some cases, and then it all depends on how aggressive you got on your purchase options, and if you went deep on them to get a payment low, all of a sudden you get to the end of the term and the purchase option is too high for what the equipment's worth today, bank's getting it back. I mean, and all of a sudden, now the bank owns something that they don't really want. That's the, the downside effect that our dealerships, I think, have got to be concerned about.
1: Yeah, we are. Uh, I had the same the same sense of caution that you have on that stuff. But I'm I'm not going to stop going out and trying to lease equipment either, because just like you no. said, it's, it's the cash flow thing that are, that's driving guys to the paint uh, to that machine now, because like I've said, it's it's not we're not really so much selling benefits and features of, of equipment anymore. We're really selling that payment. Yeah, and, and a lease, for sure, and, yeah. a, and a lease is the absolute cheapest way to operate, known, or operate a piece of equipment. And, and yeah, you know, so. But back to your point of, you know, what happens uh, when these manufacturers' uh, finance arms decide that they have too much inventory or. Uh, you know farm credit or somebody like that decides they have too much stuff laying like because none of those people want to be in the remarketing business no you they're know? they're not dealers they, <laughs>
2: they want yeah. to do the, the paperwork they don't want the equipment sitting in the lot
1: right that's right that's right so there so that, that that is concerning and whichever how whatever happens with one of them um, that one will affect the ripples across the entire marketplace of colors and of everything else it'll affect everything so there's no um, doubt
2: and you know and and we talked about it here the other day on some things if you have you know if we have 100 pieces that are coming off of lease and and say all 100 of them are going to go back to the finance company or whatever in some cases some of those 100 machines don't need to be replaced but a bulk of them you can't be without them. the farmer i mean he needs something to do his operations right so he can't just turn it back and not add something back in in most cases there's probably a few cases where it was an extra machine that they can live without. But, you know, and those are the times where can it be released from the finance company? I think they've been working on some things with that on our end where they'll sign up for additional two years and hopefully some of the problems aren't as bad as they are now um, to push it down the road a ways. Or does the finance company say, hey, look, we know you're not gonna take it back, but maybe we'll cut you a deal on the purchase option just to make you keep it type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we've seen some different creativity and it's worked out.
1: Yeah, and we that that's such a, a key point you just made there is the, the creativity and payment structures is, is what's such a overwhelmingly big part of this business anymore. You know, like we were talking another day, wanted a deal where we were using a four and a half year lease instead of a four year lease or a four and a half year uh, um, payment structure. You know, to where you were spreading that cost out a little bit and kind of stretching people to different places <clears throat> to where you could make that payment more attractive and and more palatable for for the people that are out there so yeah um, oh, no. so so let's take a look at some of the some of the equipment that was coming up here so like right now for us we're we're looking at planters and and sprayers and stuff like that that's kind of the where we're at as far as um ordering new equipment goes so what what do you what's your outlook on planners right now when you when you say uh up in your neck the woods with the drought and stuff that you have in the situation that you're in of course you're ordering planners now for next year you know so that's kind of how that usually works but yeah how's that how's that conversation been going with people that you you deal
2: with market has been pretty weak past couple years you know there's guys that look around and you know and and consider some things but it's it's still been weak a lot of new stuff was bought you know three four five years ago and it's it's well built anymore so it can last and, and it seems like if you got a planner with precision plant on it, I mean you can get another planner with precision plant or whatever you want on it but you're going to end up with the same thing you have but you're going to pay a lot more money for it because the used planner isn't worth as much because the market's pretty soft mm-hmm. and the new planner still is expecting a pretty high price so the gap gets so big that I think they're waiting it out. I, I would tell you the planner market's been a for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think for us, I think that's going to be maybe a, maybe an area where we have an opportunity to go and 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 move a few. I think just because of uh, the situation, there's not that many late model pieces no, to uh, no. to go out and sell in the used marketplace. So I give us an opportunity to look at some of those trade-ins, generate our own used market, I guess, for lack of Still a better term. you know, and put that out there. So we'll see if what happens. If
2: a new two fifty plus and, <clears> and I got a one or two year old one, is that 180 and, and you can get it in and sell it at that You know, I mean that's that's seventy eighty thousand dollars in difference and it might be the same exact planner just to model You're different, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so I think there's a there's some opportunity there I think because we like you said, like I said, there's no Used marketplace right now for yeah, those us. Yeah. yeah, so kind of have to go out and generate our own on our own inventory, I guess um, Spray market so the Rogator, Terrogators you guys have up there, that's a, a pretty big marketplace for you guys, especially covering three oh, yeah. states like you do, and, and as dynamic as, as each one of those states are from from agriculture, one state's not the same compared to the other. So how's that marketplace shaping up for you and what's that looking like now?
2: That's been a little better. Um, you know, last year was a little soft and this year is is, is not as as bad. But yeah, and, and again it's the same it's the same situation that happened on the on the farmer side that's happening to the egg retailer side, which is the bulk where we do that business. So the egg retailers, like everyone, were making money pretty, pretty good over 2012, 13, and 14. And what happens when they make money? They update a bunch of equipment, which is great. We sell a bunch of things, and everyone gets upgraded into newer stuff, and life goes on, right? So, again, we get into current times, and there's some things that need to be replaced that are being replaced. But there was a lot of new stuff purchased in that really doesn't have to be replaced as much. Or as soon as it does now, I will tell you that with retailers, different than farmers, I would say is they're gonna they're gonna apply the crop no matter what. If if corn is if corn is three dollars or if corn is uh, seven dollars, they're gonna run across the field and put fertilizer on it. Doesn't matter. So in that regards, the equipment they run, it all wears out no matter the price of the crop and in a lot of times it needs to be updated not so much a want but a need because it just wears itself out over time and it's a business not necessarily a farm farming's business as well but it's 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 run different in my mind so that market softened a bit but i would tell you that there's going to come a time here in the future that they're going to have some things that are going to need to be replaced because they've worn them out or worn them down too far
1: yep they will uh irregulars what the price of the crop is they're going to plant something otherwise they can't get any money at all that's their job that's what they do so yeah yep. so yeah that's a uh, the spray market for us you know like we said it, again back to the the used marketplace there's not much late model stuff out there for guys to pick from so again we're trying to generate that marketplace to give to give that, fill that demand um, for what demand we have uh, for, for, yeah. that, for that machinery. So I feel like they our, we're, and we're the same way. You know, we're a we're a, a CAD dealer down here, so we we have a lot of our our sprayer marketplaces to the ag service provider, and that, and that's where a lot of those machines are going. And the ones that come out, then that's our that's our used pool. So um, overcoming the hours sometimes is an issue with the stuff that we have, but we also have guys that are looking for that later. Model stuff with the more technology and stuff that they can get into it at, at a better price point. And yep, that really no allows that for that. So, um, so high horsepower row crop tractors. That I would I would think in your neck of the woods that would be a, a fairly popular machine just because of the uh, air seeders that you pull and and plus bigger planters. Yeah. Yep. The bigger planter yeah. yeah, stuff in the corn and bean markets that you have. So, how's that shaping up for you? And how's that market look?
2: That's been pretty soft as well, and, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, again, guys updated a bunch of stuff, so that they're sitting pretty well in the machines they have, and we've got some new products coming into the field here from all the different colors, and because of that, people want to hold off on buying new things to see what the newest thing is going to be. And We've sold a few of them. Uh, that market has been pretty soft for us. There's a lot of them out there. It's just the guys are deciding to either save the money or upgrade something else. It seems like,
1: yeah, and that's that's what we're seeing too. Um, guys are looking to upgrade what they need to upgrade. You know, I think when you look at machinery, there are certain points in time where reconditioning costs become a factor and, and that's but yeah. that's a factor point where they're going to start saying is it worth me keeping this machine making the payment and doing the doing the reconditioning that needs to be done to bring it back up to a to a workable level and we're starting to see guys weigh that more more than we've had in the past kind of fall oh, back into their tool. traditional trade cycles yeah. that they've had over, compared to what they've had over the last you know five or six years
2: yeah there's no doubt that i would tell you too again and, and this is something that we see everywhere is you know, it was great selling as much equipment, especially the new stuff that we did for a period of time. There were things really went crazy and got really warm. But the downside of that is, is you know, at some point there's a lot of new equipment in the field and there's not as much demand because everything's updated, you know. right? And I think we're living through some of that now, too, which is great for the farmers. I'm glad for them that they went out and, and updated when they could, when it was financially Able to be done, right? Mm-hmm. So they did manage to update some things and upgrade some things, and we sold it. all of us sold a bunch of equipment during that time. But then we kind of fall off the cliff and slow down. Well, you, you can't expect it to go forever, I guess. You know, it, right. at some point, everyone's got what they need, and it's new enough that they're okay with it,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like we were on a, a 10-year run of every year's the best year ever, and. Senior layer, that's that'll records can't be set for that that long. That no, long it's, it's got to level yeah. off, but
2: it needs to. It yeah, needs to. it
1: absolutely needs to. Yeah, definitely needs to do that. So looking at your combine marketplace for us, you know, when we look at combines, I think there we have a new combine coming out, um, a new a new series combine coming out, and and um, just looking at again the used marketplace where there's not much uh, used late model stuff to pick from there's some opportunity again to generate that, that used marketplace. I'm a little concerned about the differences that we're going to have to draw to, to make sure that we have a machinery priced in a, a market that you can you can resell into and, and not push someone up to the next, to the new one just because of the price of the used one and where you're at position-wise. So yep. how do you see that market shaping up, and, and, and how is that working out in, in the areas that you cover?
2: That's the same thing that we fight. As you go from a Class 9 to a Class 8 to a Class 7 combine, um, you know, when you, got, you got a got a guy that's got a class 9, but he wants to roll it every year, two, three years, whatever, how do you get that thing priced so that the next buyer of that used piece is willing to take that instead of maybe a combine that fits his size better, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you see is you got a guy in the second tier buyer that a class 7 combine is probably the perfect size for him. Well, then I would tell you that the class 9 used one you have had better be less than that class seven new one, otherwise there's no point for him to even consider it because he doesn't need the size. And you know, he'd probably prefer to buy something that had warranty anyhow. So that's where, like you say, the differentiation and pricing based on the tier of customer that you're promoting to. And it makes it hard. I mean, it makes it hard for that guy that bought that thing new for a big number, and he wants to roll it after one year one or two or three years, and your trade value is here because I know if, I, if I'm if i going to bring it in and expect to sell it, I've got to put that price here, so my trade value has got to be here to do that. Now that gap between what he got for, for trade and what he paid for, it gets pretty big, and the market's driving that. I mean, in some cases, I think the customer base has got to be more open to the fact that you're not going to roll a combine for 100 bucks an hour, probably not even 100 bucks an hour. It just ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a... Uh... And the problem is, just the the the, uh, the price of new equipment's gotten to the point where it's so high, yep. and so the numbers are so big that when you start talking about fifty or sixty thousand bucks, it really is an afterthought when you start looking at payments at, at the way some of the stuff is priced. So, if if you're sixty thousand no dollars back of of the new one that you're selling, or even even the uh, the first generation trade-in on the second one, when you start talking four hundred thousand bucks that payment structure does not, it really doesn't affect it much. And you're looking at five to $7,000 a year to, to move up. So, and a lot of people will say, well, it's worth me doing that because I'm going to get more technology, more warranty, whatever it is that you're going to get. So no doubt, it's definitely something we got to pay attention to. and something that I'm watching really close. And we've all
2: been burned on it already. It's it's pretty too
1: late. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, whatever decisions you make now, you don't know if you're right for nine months. So that's always, that's always a struggle with this, with this job. Definitely. H- how does your, your process work where you, with, with the, um, your salespeople? Do they, do you evaluate the equipment that they, that they look at a yes. trade or do you, how does that, so how can you walk me through how that works?
2: So our used equipment department does all the evals for the company. The stores don't do them. So they mm-hmm. go out, look at the machines, they survey them. Um, get pictures, get serial numbers, no condition, um, submit that into us in our, in our department and we in turn look at them as they come in and based on Iron Solutions book, based on what is available for sale in the marketplace, based upon what we have available for sale and based upon what we've been able to sell some things for, we determine a trade value and an estimated sell price and we send that back to Salesforce and based on all that information.
1: Right. yeah that's how we that's how I look at the same way I, I do the evaluations for what comes to our sales staff and then same way balance against whats the marketplace says past sales history what auction that is you know take all that stuff and, and try to come up with the value for what that machine's worth and then and then try to uh, make sure you're not overly wrong when, when you uh, try to yeah. get along on something you know what I mean so yeah. the but, options,
2: I guess the auctions for me has been more telling of if the auction values are moderate, it, it tells me that you know that product type probably isn't as bad as it seems. But if the auction prices are just horrendously low, then you know that there's something going on with the demand or the supply of that product. There's just either too much of it, or there's not much demand for it. One of the two.
1: Right. Do you uh do you go to a lot of auctions? Do you try to get yeah, to we that go to somebody? some.
2: We use a lot of live auction, oh. uh, or live auction, internet auction, auction time things like that. We use um. We do attend some auctions too, and you know we'll watch uh, some things and you know, what they're selling, try to understand you know what the story is with it or why it went this price, and especially if it's a, a farmer or somebody that we know that auctions something of ours, we keep an eye on it and watch it and make sure you know of what it does.
1: Yeah, and that's that's why I, I'm a i am watch as many auctions as I can and try to collect as much data as I can and 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 make sure that I'm pretty knowledgeable about that is because it's such a it has such a demand. Uh, are such an effect on on the way the retail market plays out after you, yep. after you take a look at all that. So, no doubt. So we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but seventeen from a just from an overall macro level. Um, what are some of the the positive factors you see that you're gonna that you're gonna come across going in in through seventeen into twenty eighteen? Nick, what do you think are going to be some things going to be positive things for your business and and what are some some positive not necessarily equipment, but just as a whole, kind of stuff that you see as positives for for the...
2: Well, one the of idea. the things you would mentioned earlier is one of the things that's on our mind too is the fact that production from the factories over the past two years has really dropped off. So because of that, that's impacting the supply of newer, later model equipment in the marketplace, lowering it, and you fast forward a year, two, three years past this period of time, and if that levels off, There'll be a shortage of late model used equipment. Mm -hmm. There'll be a shortage of of, uh, late model new stuff. I mean, they're just not building as much, which is good. I mean, because that helps fix the problem, right? If there's a limited amount of buyers and you're still producing a million things, it's all worthless then, right? Right. But if there's a limited amount of buyers and and you're only building what you need, now we're getting somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Where Mm -hmm. I think everyone went so crazy and was running three shifts at every factory 24 hours a day day for 365 days a year and setting records of number of machines they were producing and yeah as long as they're all sold it's great but then all of a sudden you got all this stuff out there and it's just some of it's in dealer lots and what's it worth today when there's so many out there you know I think that's a positive is the fact that the vendors have backed off on their production so much and that'll help us in the future here um you know besides and beyond that for us uh, Crop prices seem to have leveled off. You know, we are got a drought going in North Dakota, so that won't help. But we did get some rain, so I mean, with all that being said, if we get consistent rains throughout the rest of the year here, really our, our uh, situation at the end of the year should be on par with where it's been. In the past year, it's not going to be any worse, I would tell you. It shouldn't be, based on what we're seeing. So that's all good stuff, really. I mean, it, it, it tells you that things have leveled and, and maybe potentially will start to, to come back out. And I think. The part of it is making sure that these farmers are, are still being productive and, and getting a good crop, and that takes weather, which we can't control, but it takes all the other things that we can, like the inputs. And then from the dealer standpoint, it takes our vendors cutting their production. And you know what? You fast forward two years, all of a sudden, used market's pretty hot, even used older stuff, because maybe that's all you can find.
1: Yep. And I, I think you're I think, you know, three years from now, if, you, if things can kind of continue on the same. Uh, playing field that there are now you you will see that equipment will be they'll be they'll probably be a, a, a kind of a gap between 12 13 and 14 there kind of what they're worth because there's there's still so so many of those out there and then what like the 15 and newer stuff is worth there there'll be such a more premium because there's not as many of them and guys that are looking at kind of making their equipment back into a normal trade cycle of every two three years something like that you know trying to go find that use piece um, especially the guys that were new buyers that should have been used buyers that, because um, they had the cash to do so. Um, the new stuff they bought in Pell 13, 14, 15, whatever it was when they bought it, and they're going to try to jump back in, trade it on that late model use piece. It's just not going to be there, and, or as much of it anyway. And they're going to – it will be a premium, and I, and I think that I'm excited about that when that comes back finally. But um, I still think we got about three years before we get there.
2: Yeah, that's probably right. Yep.
1: <clears throat> so now flip that. What are some of the negatives things you see happening through 17 that, that you think are going to impact your business?
2: Well, working through some of these combines that we all have too many of, there'll be some mm-hmm. pain with that. Um, any, I would tell you any of the products that we're long on right now. I mean, because if you're long on them, you've probably had a few of them for a little while. Right. And if you've had them for a little while, you might be out of whack in the pricing and if you're out of whack on the price, the odds are you're going to end up into a position where you might lose money when you sell it. So I, I would tell you that's the negative, is there's there's anything that we're long on is going to be a little painful for us. And that's, it is what it is, but that's just the reality of it.
0: Yeah, Aside it from that,
2: I mean, it would be nice to see 20, 30, 40 cents on corn plus, I mean, buck, two bucks, whatever, that's asking a lot. But yeah, that would fix a lot of things too, but mm-hmm. and you can't really control that. I mean, the negative is the price is where it is, but... That's also positive. It could be a lot worse
1: than it is too. Yeah, and that's we're the same way. I mean, we, we have stuff that we're long, and I feel from a dollars perspective in our inventory that we're in a we're in a good spot. There are certain portions of our inventory that we need to definitely pay attention to and and work on and try to try to bring that stuff back into check. And I, but like you said, I think there are some stuff where we're going to have some some pain that we're going to have to go through to get to get that into a, into a position. So um, until like you said, corn comes up. 40 cents to a dollar it's going to be it's going to be a struggle and our basis down here is pretty high right now because of the carryover that we have laying around and and, and oh yeah elevators are full so till that basis thing gets taken care of too we're going to have some struggles with that as well so no um, doubt, yeah but that's definitely going to be a it's like like a cyclical thing you know easy come easy go you know it's something's going to have to cover so we've been we've been talking for a while and i i think everyone's got a good feel for For about and Machinery and, and, and Dusty Shoals, and, and kind of what your philosophy is and, and how, how you guys do business. So, appreciate you being on my podcast, and um, I hope to uh, talk to you in the future.
2: No problem, sir. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. We'll see you, Casey. Bye.
0: Thanks, Casey and Dusty. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we'll be sending your way. In addition to this hosted podcast by Casey Seymour, we're also tapping into his expertise across all our informational channels, including an Ask the Expert feature on our website, where you can ask him your questions directly. Check it out at farm-equipment.com slash expert He'll also be making regular contributions to our eWatch e-newsletter and in print in our farm equipment magazine. Make sure your free subscriptions are up to date so you don't miss a thing or visit www.farm-equipment.com to register. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of life cycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when the future episodes are released. You can also keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free e- newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com today. We hope you'll tune in with us again when Casey sits down with Enns Brothers. For Casey Seymour, Dusty Schultz, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Ken Schmidt. Thanks for listening.